Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast, which may turn into an Leighton Baines appreciation podcast depending on the uh, journey of today's discussion. Uh, I'm Phil Kirkbride, the Everton reporter, and I'm joined by Adam Jones and Gav Buckland. We're on the table today to look back at Brighton uh, and all of the issues that have risen from that game. Largely positive, but obviously one significant potential negative, and that of course is Gilfie Sigurdsson and his injury Doubts, fears, worries that have grown since the news dropped yesterday that he had to have a scan on Monday evening to determine the true extent of a knee injury. Um, but we'll come on to that. Um, Gav, we'll start with you. Um, we'll, not, we'll not dwell on Brighton yeah. City, which was a couple of days ago now, and everybody's uh, still reveling in the <laughs> asking in the glory <laughs> of the victory. But you mentioned something before we started recording that was a wider point of, of, of the day as a whole and that was atmosphere yeah yeah which I said to you during, during the course of the game um, that first of all I thought it was a vital win big game vital win um, for lots of different reasons um, on the back of the the Burnley game and the fallout from that which we you know we, we covered last week has been covered um, I was one eye on the or one ear on the, on the atmosphere on mm. Saturday and I said to you during, I think during yeah. the first half that I felt that was one of the best atmospheres certainly for Saturday for the se- you know during the season, and I think there was a couple of reasons for that. I think first of all, I thought we played well. Yeah, you know, not not you know, top four well, but compared to what we played so far this season, I thought we performed well, passed the ball well, we had a nice shape, bit of pace, uh, and I think that was the one reason. The second thing was the um, the return, obviously, of Leighton Baines, um, Jags, and uh, with Seamus there mm-hmm. as well. I think that gave everybody like a, a reason to sort of not celebrate, but you know. A, a feeling of well-being, yes, uh, which has not necessarily been there uh, over the last twelve months, and I think it was the first time for twelve months that Baines and Coleman and, and Jack had all started, and I think that combined with the good start uh, meant that you know I thought the crowd were, were, were excellent and got behind the team, and uh, it was a generally positive day apart from our bit from the the odd injury, uh, which we'll cover later. I don't know. Do you think that the the atmosphere was down to? Gav has mentioned, and rightly, there was a, it was a, it was a fairly positive performance, and, and they deserved to get the win. And, and, and there was lots of tempo in, in in patches. But do you also think maybe 
there was a sense that the the Goodison felt you know that we need this victory, so we have to play a part. And given the nastiness of last week, let's get behind the players. They may not be getting, be getting behind Sam, but let's get behind the team because we need this. Mm. I think both sides help each other in that sense. Like if we'd have if we'd have started the match slowly, then maybe we would have seen a different kind of atmosphere from Goodison because we've all seen that type of game before, mm. especially well too much over the last like two or three seasons, perhaps. I think. As Gav says, Everton started the game so well on the front foot. We were, we were definitely trying to get at Brighton right from the get-go. And that's what the Everton fans want to see. They reward the players for that. The players then reward them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a nice balancing act when, you, when, you get, when it gets right like that. Was, was Saturday almost, in a sort of a microcosm, a lesson to whoever will be manager next season now regardless of who that is and we've, we've discussed that long yeah. and hard and we won't, we won't go into that but whoever is in the dugout come August or whatever is that a lesson to them in terms of the type of football that Goodison will yeah. respond to I think I think there's this whether it's a myth or not is a separate uh, separate debate that for, for, for the team to perform well certainly at Goodison it needs to have that as one thing with the crowd mm. you know and that's certainly Moyes the Moyes era, yeah, 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 yeah. But certainly, I think Moyes got Moyes' best teams got onto that that they performed well when there was that sort of um, like that, that relationship with with the crowd and and, and they feed off each other. It's like an iterative process, that isn't it? And uh, I think any ma- I think well, you would hope any manager where to sort would know about that anyway, mm. you know, about the club. But I think so. It's it, but it's easy for a manager to maybe in a platitude type of way. Um, make him make it known that he is aware of that and say all the right things, but it's maybe it's maybe having a manager with the with the same belief and yeah, actually yeah. wanting to play that type of football. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a gen- I mean, it probably goes for a lot of clubs, but if if you were if you were the Everton manager now or going forward in the past, the one thing you'd say is you've got to show the crowd here mm. you know the football, you know that. That, that, that actually you, you care and you, you're putting the shift in and they'll, they'll react to that yeah. what they won't react to is actually and there's one or two players this season have been victim of this as we are aware is you're not not putting the shift in and you don't look as though you care and I think that works both collectively as individuals and as a team as, as a whole and I think if you were if you were an Everton manager you would and, and that's always been the case going back to the Harry Catterick days you would have that High up on the list of this is what I want to do, mm. as, as you know, with my with with, with the Evan team, and I think um, everybody benefits from that. And it was really, it was really good to see on on Saturday. For me, it was the most enjoyable game of the season. Yes, um, to be honest with you, yeah, for lots of different reasons. Um, so yeah, I think you would you would want you would want you would look at that and think, yeah, this is what I need to do. Add um, subplot if you like to the to the wider positive atmosphere, and, and as Gav says, many would say that was the best atmosphere at Goodison this season. Was the reception that Davy Classen received, both when warming up from that corner at the Gladys, and when he came on near the end? Um, were you in any way surprised by that level of reaction? Not particularly. I think I think it, seen I've seen a lot of people comment and saying you know he has he hasn't really shown in his performances that why he's got that level of reception but I think it's very much the same situation as Umani has in, in a lot of ways like he's his attitude has always been there everyone said he's working his socks off in training it's just not come off for him yet in the league and Everton fans just love to hear the 
he's he's just he's trying his best, and I think that's why he got the reception that he did. And it, it, I think I feel like he'll get those receptions as well for the next, like if he comes on the next few weeks. You now, if he progresses, which we all hope he does, to be honest, mm. I don't think anyone wants to see him fail. No. So, no, I'm not particularly surprised by his reception at all. Kev, what, what, why do we love an underdog at Goodison so much? Strackwell Erzy, not a great player, but my God, was he a trier. Yeah, yeah. Umani Ashley, um, Davy Klassen. Why, what, what is it about these players that I'm sure other clubs have them? But obviously, we can only speak about about Everton and, and what we see and feel and hear at, at Goodison. It, there's, a, there's a special place in yeah in in, in the Gladys Street's heart for players of this ilk. Yeah, but I think there's two there's two things for that. I think first of all, it goes back to refer to my previous point about people like to see players trying hard. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes, and I don't want to say careful how I phrase this, sometimes we see. Individuals like that are somehow reflecting Everton within the world of football. Like that Everton are like when you see the top six of the wealth that they've, they've had mm. compared to us prematurely. That actually, in some respects, they they reflect Everton's place in the, the football hierarchy. Forget about history and all that, but you know, you know how much in congenitally like the top six having revenues compared to Everton. You know, certainly not seen until a couple of years ago anyway and I think sometimes they symbolise that that this is what Everton need to do and again Moyes got onto that with the, with the plays he picked he got onto that really well um, and, I, and I, but I think it's always been the case going back to plays I remember watching the 70s and 80s who weren't very good but people people liked them uh, because they, they tried hard So Gav is that, yeah. is that a, a wider cultural and scouting issue that yes Everton have now got money and yeah. Moisey wasn't able to go and buy superstar players anyway, so he had so he had to look at characteristics and qualities yeah. in people. But does that have to filter into the meetings this this summer and, and in the months with whoever's director of football, whoever's the manager? Going, you're going to get more out of certain type of character. Yeah. Yes, we've got the money to go and spend forty or fifty Fair million point. quid on a player, but actually, what's what's he about personally, and is he? Will the crowd relate to him? Yeah. Therefore, do we get a result because of that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's been interesting to hear, Adam. Obviously, different areas and stuff, but you always need to do that as a football club. I mean, Howard did that, you know, in his glory days. I say Moyes did that. Is one of the accusations made about our buying policy over the last couple of years is actually maybe that element of it's been neglected, that actually we've just gone out and. Maybe not a scattergun approach, but maybe we could have could have done our homework a little bit more in de- in detail. But having said that, we have been in a bit of a rush, haven't we, to, to become to you know to get near the, the top table in the game, haven't we? Really, yeah. which is something we said. But remember when the Machiri money came in two years ago? We said, didn't we, that we have like this this very narrow window yes. to sort of really push on before the game changes again and whatever. And I think that's been reflected in our buying policy over the last two or three years. That actually, we've been prepared maybe to take a chance on players to get to get them in mm. in the door, so we can at least make a go at go of it, rather than taking a step back. And you know, we know what Moises, you know, the good that we got to stick for it was a very sort of uh, valuable attribute of really doing your homework. Mm. But he bought himself that time, 
And yeah. I don't think Ronald didn't have that time, and I don't think Ronald's successor maybe will, will have that time. Moise was able to almost look into the whites of the guy's eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Julian Lescott, I can't remember how many scouts he's times. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, some, yeah. Are, some are almost alien to modern football. Yeah, times to himself, you know. So, um, and I'm sure it was the same, you know, for, for the likes of uh, for Jags as well, you know. So, he really did his homework. I don't think we can do that now. And I think the place to pay for that is you, you get some players actually, you know, you think really fancies this mm. on the other side of the coin though you get some quality players who come through like Ilfie Sigurdsson who will consistently be you know he'll cover the most yards out of any, anyone on the pitch he, yeah. re- he really buys into what Everton is all about and on top of that he's an absolutely quality footballer yeah he, yeah yeah that's right. that's what you want to write some, there's some hits and some misses what I'm saying is that one of the accusations made you know and not just in this podcast but why in the wider world is that? Oh, I don't know how many players you bought in the last two years. Would it be 15, 20, something mm-hmm. like that? How many of them? Because you hand on heart and say, how many of them are worth? Yeah. I mean, I, I, but there's still time for quite a few of them, to be fair. And how many of the successes, in inverted commas, of those has been because. Adam mentioned Sigurdsson there, and obviously it's, it's in him anyway, but they've come from clubs that struggled. Now Idrissa guy's been largely a hit. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gilfie's another one. Williams' first season was good. Obviously, he's, he's he's had his problems this season. But do you think there is something in that buying from from clubs and from players from clubs who, who've had to go through tough times rather than buying from yeah. from your, yeah. your peers or from the, the the guys who fall out from the top clubs and and, yeah. and, and picking up? I don't know. Is that is there something in that? Well, 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 when when you're cherry picking, like we're we're obviously cherry picking some of these clubs' best mm. players, yeah. And to be the best players out of those clubs, you know you've got to have a battle in you, yeah. So I think I think yeah, it is in a sense because if you if you're buying from someone who is like maybe not getting into one of the top clubs, it could it could be a plethora of different reasons. They could not be trying and training, they couldn't be performing on the pitch, etc. Like when you're buying from these bottom bottom half clubs, you know you're getting a, a, a Someone who's up for a scrap. Have, yeah. Sorry, Gav. Just have the days gone though of of Everton going to the championship and buying the best players. <laughs> well, if it's good enough for Spurs with Dali Ali, it's it's uh, you know it's good enough for Everton. I mean, going back to the what I was saying, there, which is like spot on, is like that. You know, going back to Moyes, uh, Jags are just being relegated. Yes. Mm-hmm. Less got it. I don't think he played the season. Wolves went down. Baines was in a struggling team. At Wigan, you know, mm. so there, there was there was his his defence, you know that that um, sort of shaped shaped the last four or five years of his Everton, you know, not counting last couple, but there for four or five years at least together. Um, but, 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 but those type of signers that you're talking about. As for buying from the Championship, yeah, if the player's good enough, mm. I don't see why why you wouldn't be. Why wouldn't you? But yeah. then you look at. We signed Adam Ola Luckman from the Championship. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, he's yeah. a kid, isn't he? Yeah, well, one sign, I think, we'll just, just like to, without going back to Saturday in sort of just particular, but Tosin, mm. just generally over the last two games, two goals. Yeah, I mean, I've said it a number of times and wrote a piece this morning. I think that, I think when we look at Tosin and we judge him and assess him going forward, 
he is not Rom's replacement no. because Romelu was a far more complete and inverted common striker. So it's what part of Rom's game have we replaced by bringing in Tosin? And for me, it's it's got to be in the box because everything else yeah. is pale imitation. Is he's not an athlete? He's not going to run the channels. He's not going to hold off defenders. All that sort of stuff. No. So clearly, what I've found and what I've seen in the last two matches and what I've heard from from inside Finch Farm and at training, give him half a chance and more times out you know than not. He's going to hit the back of the net. Yeah, I just, I think you're right, but I think he's got some aspects to his game that Rom maybe hasn't got. Like his sort of movement in the area, and I think he's a little bit of a cleverer. Yeah, I think his first yeah, touch yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I suppose like, my, my first touch is better than Rom. Maybe for somebody that that's how he that's that's where he uh, yeah. you know that's another facet of him in the box because Rom, I think he his touch got better, uh, but yeah. I appreciate what you're saying, but. He would get more chances when it was in front of him, yeah. running on and, and what have you. But Tosin doesn't have that yeah. in his locker, well, does well, he? Well, well, I, you know, it is relevant because I think we sat here in the podcast two weeks ago, didn't we? I mean, we were, me and you fell in particular were saying like we were a bit worried about whether he, you know, this season at least whether he's going to make it. And a few comments on, you know, quite right. You know, people tweeted in about it whether we were too premature and writing them off and he scored two and two he obviously listened to the podcast himself didn't he <laughs> but what I, what, I, what I liked about him is two goals he scored two completely different goals yes mm. just needs no, a left foot one on yeah, the yeah, yeah. Stone yeah. and he's got you know, perfect trio real, real <laughs> opportunity you read the, the goal of Burnley you read the goal well yes where, that, where the ball's going yeah you anticipated it and the one where we all like to see fit, you know control in the box made space for himself in the box you know, blasted yeah. it off the bar, and two completely different goals. So I think it's a good sign. Yeah, um, sign of somebody who's actually got a bit of variety in the area. And now that I'm being well pleased, what I've seen from the last two games from from. Yeah. What do you think, Ad? Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I can only only yeah. really your views. Like I, th- I think he's he's looked a different player over the last couple of weeks than the one who was before he was rested before the winter mm. before like the uh, warm weather training camp. I think he he looks. He looks fitter, he looks sharper, he looks stronger, he looks more in tune with the rest of his teammates around him. It's not just it's not just him in the box for me. I think he brings other people into play a lot. And I think before before Sigurdsson's injury, I think he was linking up really well with Sigurdsson. Mm. It's a bit of a shame that obviously the injuries happened and we're not going to be able to see that. Well, presumably not for the next few weeks anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how we end up replacing that in the team. Yeah, so that brings us on to obviously the uh, the disappointing news to be confirmed, but certainly looking like it's going to be disappointing that Guilford Sigerson on Monday evening had to go for a scan uh, to reveal the true extent of a knee injury, which he played on with uh, for the best part of 70 minutes on Saturday. Um, Sam Allardyce described it as a knock afterwards in the press conference, but obviously looks far more serious than that. Uh, feedback from the club last night was, prior to official confirmation, was that they were sort of urging a little bit more caution in terms of it would be more weeks than months, but weeks, as they said in their statement, could be several. And so there's probably quite a high chance that we won't see him again in Royal Blue this season. Um, Gav, how do you, how do Everton c- cope without him for the final eight games? How do they set up? Who comes in as number 10? Who can fill in about six different positions as Guilfrey can? <laughs> what does Sam do on Saturday to start with? Uh, cry, I think, would be the starting point. Um, first of all, what I would say about it is I'm gutted for for the simple reason, well, for two reasons. One, you know, he's probably been our best outfielder 
this season. I know he's had a bit of stick because of the fee that's been paid, but that's not his problem. In terms of, like, as you say, the effort and quality that he showed, uh, I think he's been our best outfielder pound for pound this year. What I'm really gutted is that probably, like yourselves, have been screaming all season for him to play just behind the striker in the middle rather than being shifted out left. We're okay, he's done okay, and he's been able to get crosses in and stuff. I think he does, does his best work when he's playing between the two posts of, of the opposition goal in, in that area of the pitch. And I haven't got Balassi back and Walcott back together for the, you know, with natural width for the first time this season. On, on Saturday, was that not, you know, that was probably one of the first games, I can't remember, you know, where he's done that. And um, as a result, we look better balanced. But now with the injury, it's, it, you know, you. It always happens to the players. Sometimes the players that you could least afford to lose, and I think there's a there's a problem there in that I, I can't see a natural solution for it unless you bring maybe Klassen in. But oh, I mean, I don't because I don't think you want to play Wayne there. I feel like you've got to change system. Yeah, change the system. Yeah. I feel like losing Sigurdsson is a massive blow. I think he brings something. That nobody else in the Everton squad has. Like, no, not only can he see a tough pass, he's got the quality to pick out that tough pass, and he's got, we all know, the quality from twenty-five yards. He can just get you the goal out of absolutely nowhere. And I don't think we've really got. No. I think Rooney's probably the closest, mm. but I'd rather see him playing in that yeah, deeper role. Yeah. I think he yeah. fits fits better. What yeah. what myself and Adam Gav were discussing yesterday in the office, just chatting away, and we. Uh, something to think somebody had mentioned online and I was kind of in full agreement and saying maybe they've got to change tweak formation a little bit I think you've got to keep Wayne deep because that's his, that's the future or short term future for the rest of his yeah. career so why rip it up for the rest of the eight, eight games this season because lo and behold we're not, we're not going to go down now you know think that any any lingering <laughs> threat was extinguished anyway yeah, um, yeah. so my, my suggestion would be 4-2-3-1-ish but the number 10 is an old fashioned number 10 and it's Calvert-Lewin and you play him as the guy that holds the ball up. Tosin is the guy that feeds off him. Yeah. You've got your runners either side. and Because and, the newfangled number 10. So Sigurdsson was almost a bit of a hybrid in many respects because he could do a bit of everything. Yeah. But if you said to somebody, the, the modern football fan of a certain generation on the street, what does a number 10 look like? It's David Silver, isn't it? It's the, it's the low centre of gravity type player. Yeah. A bit more of your classes. But I'm saying, well, let's play Calvert-Lewin. And let's almost play two up front. Yeah, well, it depends, you know... There's some some systems work better for others than others, mm. don't they? You know, against Man City at home, it'll probably be like ten zero zero, won't it? You know, there is there is the option of playing, which I do. But I've said before, if you're going to play Wayne deep, is that I think you can do in some games like Saturday with the opposition sit deep, sit deep, and he's got loads of space to play into um, to pick his passes. Where it becomes more awkward, the Wayne is if he gets crowded a little bit, mm. and he does tend to lose the ball. Um, Bit of a surprise, really, and I said that ideally against a lot of teams, especially away from home, was play Wayne with two other midfielders either side and like Guy and I don't we've got our options are really limited there. Guy and, and Tom Davis probably, yeah. Guy and Tom Davis, uh, and then play then play three at the front where you play Tosin and Balassi and, and Walcott. Yeah, yeah. Would would, that, would would to me, which I, I always think that looks. I'm not a great fan of 4 2 3 one, to be honest with you. That seems, and for me, it's always seen the more natural fit for us, the players that we've got, but we very rarely play it. 
Uh, and I think taking account what Adam's saying about Wayne's best position and, and the injury and stuff, I, I would say that that would possibly be our best configuration, but it depends on who you're playing against. Mm. You know, against Huddersfield at home, with yeah. all due respect, or Southampton at home, you may want to change it where you, you play 4 2 3 1, but 4 3 3, I like, I like that with, with Wayne and two, two deeper midfielders. I think playing Calvert Lewin, it would be the best way to get. This, this same result out of Tosa was as if he was playing with Sigurdsson I, I do think Tosa needs somebody close to him somebody who's, somebody to play one twos with somebody who can hold the ball up maybe yeah. for him I think that's that's the way he's going to work best I think Calvert-Lewin's probably the best way to, to bring that in and it's a, it's a good way to get Calvert-Lewin back into the team to be honest because I think at the start of the season he was probably one of our better players he's a shout well, for me, I think he's been our, our best outfield player, like, yeah. rather than Sigurdsson. I, I, I would make the arguments for Calvert-Lewin, because he, he's, he's impressed me more than anyone over, else. Overseas. Just, just stick on Calvert-Lewin, something I've been thinking about for a while, and I think it was mentioned at the start of the week in one of the Nationals, I can't remember, but Gareth Southgate names his latest England squad on Thursday. Is it a completely mad shout to say he's got to consider Calvert-Lewin as an option? For me, yeah, I don't, I don't think yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. Well, years, Dom, Dom Solanke got called up to the last one. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if Dom Solanke's getting called up, Calvert Lewin should absolutely just, be there. Just a general thing for me, it's mm. a bit of an old timer, like when England caps were, were uh, you know, oh, pri- highly well, prized, you know, like confetti on the Yeah, yeah, days, yeah. It, it, the, 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 the concern I have is on that is a. It beggars belief with the national team that like you're sort of fishing in the pond for players who are hardly proven at Premier League level. Um, that's the, that's a worrying thing for English football, isn't it, for the stars? The second thing is, does it stunt a player's development and their ambition if, it, if it's given to them that easily? Um, I don't think that's good. Um, the, the, the other thing with Calvert Lewin, which is a bit more of, of an argument in his favour, is he obviously played last year, didn't he, for the under mm, 20s? Mm. And we've been saying for it for, for a number of years we need to follow the German model of promoting players through the uh, through the age groups mm. through to the national team. So th- there's a certain logic that you would. I mean, mm. there's some players who've, who've played, who've gone through the German system, who've not necessarily been first choice for the Bundesliga teams if they've been. Being, being being successful at underage, so I it drives me mad when we get to that as an option. But we are where we are on as they say. I think there's going to be the space yeah. there, though, isn't there? Like, yeah, yeah, by yeah. all accounts, Harry Kane might well be injured. Might need so no, the I, space opens up. A difference but for me, for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's the it's the sort of every two year discussion leading into a major tournament where they go, well, who's the option? And inevitably, Andy Carroll's name gets brought up. Peter Crouch is being brought up seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so what I'm saying is, and now I, I'm in agreement with you, Gav, on many yeah. levels of what you said there. But I'm saying, if this England manager is thinking like every other England manager and thinking, right, if it's, if push comes to shove and we're struggling and we need a goal. And I need to throw a bigger lad on. Is he? Is he the top of the list? That's what I'm yeah, saying. You know, I I'm, mean, yeah, of course. Maybe not top of the list, but he's obviously part of the discussion. Yeah. which I haven't got a problem about. I just think it's a disappointing discussion. Um, it's disappointed in me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, not this. You know what I mean? It's just, it's you know, it's it's me mad when I see players over the years who yes. didn't even get an England cap. You know, genuinely 
you know, I would never got a cap, did he? You know, players who got one cap, um, and I just think it, it's it's wrong, and and it, it it's that thing about younger players being given to and on the plate, you know, even going through the academy level, that's all laid on to them. I just don't think it's good for the development. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure he'd be giving it to him on a plate. I think he's... Well, you, you players, you would expect players, if they got in the England team, to have played Premier League football or league football for three or four years at a decent decent level before you... Yeah, well, Wayne Rooney hadn't. Well, Wayne, Wayne was a special case, wasn't yeah, very he? Very much a special well. case, wasn't he? You know, I mean, yeah, I'll I, I take your point. There's not... I mean, it's a bit of a generalisation. You know, you're not going to leave Wayne in 2002 to 2006 mm. to pick him for the first time. I know what you're saying. There are, there are cases who would genuinely tell I mean, Gerard, I think probably only was Ashley Cole. And his first season. Harry Kane done. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably arguing against myself. But in, in, if you're not in that really top, super talented bunch of players, then I think, you know, you really need to mm. show that you're capable of playing for two or three years, mm. four years in the, in the Premier League. Um, but... It, be interesting, you know. Mm. I just wonder. I just wonder. Uh, somebody who has played for England many times, whether he deserves to get more caps than he did, is a podcast for another week. But thankfully, now for all of us Evertonians, he will be focusing purely on Everton. That's Leighton Baines. Um, we started the pod saying it could become the Leighton Baines Appreciation Podcast. Adam, how well did Leighton play against Brighton? How big um, was his return? It's almost like he'd never been away, hasn't it? He? he just he just slotted straight back in, and it it just shows how much we've been missing that natural left back. You know, just someone who is up and down the line. He's constantly got the vision to bring the winger into play, overlapping left footed crosses. Even though his assist came with his right foot, yeah. yeah. You know, some of the raking balls that he played, like I think he played one in particular in the first half, which took out essentially the whole Brighton team. Just with a with a long ball, like we've been missing that kind of that kind of quality on the left hand side, and it just like as Gav was talking about before, balance just brought that balance with Seamus mm. Coleman doing the exact same down the right hand side. It just it, it felt like we'd gone back to where we should have been with our full backs, and it was much better to see. Gav, yeah, yeah, um, I think. I can Say what? Well, I'm saying totally great. Like over the balance, and it's like having an old friend back. You know, how about the fact that James only just come back? Um, it's an interesting one, really. Um, in that, like, Lane's contract has he got one till next year? I think it's. It? I think it's up summer of 2019. Yeah, I think he's got another one. Yeah, it's like what his immediate term future is with Evan. Will we look to replace him during the summer, or will we just keep on playing? Mm. You know, if if fit. Um, I agree. I mean, he. It was an interesting article. I think I think Chris Beasley on Sunday mentioned about claim Chris claim Chris opinion that Leighton Evans greatest ever left back, which is a a leap of faith. <laughs> but the first thing what I would say is I think to be to be in any any conversation with with Ray Wilson who won the World Cup yeah. with England, you know. It was a Rolls Royce for four back. I think if if you, and there's a genuine conversation to be had there. I think uh, I think that shows testimony to to, to Leighton's quality and and also the fact that you know that full backs role has changed so much over the last even tw- 10, 20 years, hasn't it? So he's been a quality quality player, class act on and off the pitch. Uh, great to see him on the pitch, John, on Saturday, and I look forward to hopefully seeing a lot more of him over the you know over the next twelve months because. We do. We, 
we do miss him and, 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 and again I think that was part of the crowd's reaction on, yeah. on Saturday that was I think but Jag starting, Seamus starting, Leighton starting. Yeah. Local lad and the comfort get, the comfort yeah, yeah. of something familiar almost, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, which is yeah. what what we need mm. and what we need in the last seven or eight games of the season, to be honest with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I mean, mate, mate said to me this morning, we had this conversation, he said I mean mate told him he said that we compared him Leighton with Ray Wilson and he said that because Ray Ray sort of came to Evan at the tail end of his career, that if you if you judge him show, solely as an Everton player then Leighton over the 10 years has to be Evans' yeah. best ever left back you know in terms of performances of the club you know Ray Wilson was a better left back yes you know because he played a lot of his career at Huddersfield but as if you say in judging somebody on their performance as, a, as an Evan, Evan player in that position then he would have to be our greatest ever left back um, and I, I wouldn't argue against that point. I'd say I'd throw Pat Van Den into the mix there um, but yeah, and there's not many Everton players in the Premier League either. Like you can you can say that about, can you really? Not at all. No. Who's, who's been their best best player in their position? Play for the club. There's only Brett, probably, Brett Angel. Yeah, one. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in fact, the argument said because Nev Nev's pre Premier League that he's you know probably the only Everton player of the Premier League era. You might maybe throw Seamus in there as well. To be mm. fair, mm. of uh, who would get a mention in the clubs yes. clubs best yeah. ever. You know, played in that position, yeah. which is again, you know, testimony to to his long longevity and, and quality that he's brought. And it shows how much we our system over the last few years has been based around these fullbacks. Like it's it's Seamus and Leighton. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're saying again, getting put in such yeah. such esteemed company. Yeah, and it, it, it's because it's because we are so set up to have these marauding, overlapping fullbacks. So yeah. So much better to and, see and that. Martin has got the best best out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it was great to see them. Don't away, you know, aging a little bit, obviously, but like old family friends. Which, uh, <laughs> you know, like, you know. So, so go on then. Um, what is the forgotten man in this discussion? Luke Garbutt now thinking he had and has had that reintegration back into the first team for Baines. He was still out. Martina was up and down. There was there was maybe. A chink of light, an opportunity for him there. Baines is now back. Looked like he'd never been away. Luke wasn't in the squad on Saturday. What what can we guess? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll have a couple of things there about Baines before we go on to Luke Garbus. I'll caveat that so after the Liverpool Man City games, I'll have a <laughs> look at that again because you know, like be slightly you know, bright at home. Um, you know. You know, notwithstanding, like nearly getting cut into by the, uh, the touchline. Uh, Brighton, um, Brighton, yeah, did did, uh, did cut the figure of a team who would just who thought who think last week's result had yeah, kept, yeah. kept the ball. So the judge, the judge, the judge, you know, uh, against Liverpool and Man City, um, but it's a class act anyway, and it was good to see him back. Well. Garber, you'd be saying, what are my options here? Yeah. But I've got an option here that's all at the club. Which is rather sad for a player who five or six years ago was really highly thought of. Mm. Indeed linked with move to other Premier League clubs, wasn't he? Yeah. You know? um, and he's lost lost his way. And that, that's always the worrying thing when players lose the way. Why did he do it? Because obviously I thought he was a really half-decent player. Mm. Uh, Matt, what do, you, what do you feel Luke will be looking at now? And 
you know, eight games of a season to go, and he, more likely than not, he'll 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 finish another season as a member of an Everton squad, but having not played. Mm, I think it's a shame for him. Like, with eight games to go with the season, you can you can bet in training he's targeting getting some sort of appearance. Like, just say we're well, we're not really gonna be moving anywhere else in the Premier League table. I'd say like, we'll probably finish around mid-table. These last few games could be a potential to shake up the squad a bit, give a few players a bit of a chance. Maybe maybe he could come in and play a couple of games, but beyond that, you've got you've you've got to wonder whether there's a future there for him at Everton. He, he he did look good in was it Martinez's second season? Yes. In, in, 14, the, yeah, in, Europa, in the Europa League. Yeah. League especially you put in some really good performances, but it was those low moves, you know, that move to Wigan, move to Fulham, like not not getting into championships teams. Was yeah, and had injury problems as well, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a wider discussion there, isn't it? About and you touched on uh, Luckman mm. before. Is um, low moves haven't really done a lot of good for, for a lot of heavy players in the last yeah. three or four years. Yeah, yeah. Mohamed Bessic, yeah, 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 yeah. To be fair, yeah. Mm. But for defenders, not yeah. only down to yeah. Galloway, Galloway. Tyus is injured. Tyus is injured and yeah. been part of a struggling team. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting one that why why it's not John Joe Kenny would say otherwise he went to Oxford and played yeah. played at Wembley and fair dues yeah there'd be a list about four players where it's work for like, you know, but, yeah but going back to the point it, it goes back to what I was saying do, do we need a proper young left back in the summer or are we going to may depend on the you know Kiwa Bainsey may depend on the, who the manager is I think a couple of seasons ago was the time to really start Thinking about a replacement for Baines, I think we've. I think, think we. I think, think we've put think this off club, too long. I think the club did, but they're trying to do it on the cheap. Mm. Yeah, and trying to gamble with young players that may or may not work. I mean, to be fair, there's always been other priorities, hasn't there? Like we've always had, like, yeah. well, we really need a winger or we really need a striker, and like, it's all, like I feel like left back has always been like a second or third priority, but, but, but it's been there. But, for but a few that's years. caused that's caused us a problem, though, hasn't yeah. it? Because when the players are being injured, we've ended up playing. Yeah. You know, we've had Bessis playing right back, haven't we? Yeah, um, Wembley. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So what what's that what that has done is has meant that we've been cut short of fullbacks in both yeah. positions for probably going back to Martinez's last season at least. So yeah. part of why the squad indeed. Uh, Reconstruction, isn't it, in the summer? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, just before we wrap up, uh, just before we convened the uh, Royal Blue podcast table, uh, we put out a story um, saying Steve Walsh uh, is continuing to push the case for Everton in the summer to try for Jamie Vardy. Now, obviously, there's a significant caveat of whether Steve Walsh will still be yeah. in the football club. Obviously, his position is, is under review and, and under a degree of threat, as we understand it. Um, is Jamie Vardy the the answer? Thirty one year old, by the way. I was surprised to see that when I checked that out earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, still looking good though. Yeah, well, yeah. Great finish on Saturday. The, there's quality there's two that. things to say about that. If Jamie Vardy's Vardy's the answer, what's the question? Bear in mind, we've got toast in front at the moment. Well, uh, how badly lacking are Everton for pace? pace yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean. It's like, you know, we've just spent twenty seven million quid or whatever, whatever the exchange rate is on one striker. I mean, if you only play one up front, you know, what does that mean? But I, I love Fardy. I think he's, uh, he's, you know, when they look at him, think, for one reason, you know, why is your career being wasted yeah. for somebody who's 31? 
mm. is that like he uses the ball well. I say he's got pace and he can finish both in terms of like fox in the box finishes or fuck you know literally in this case uh, <laughs> uh, or you know spectacular goals like yeah. he scored on Saturday get going against Liverpool in a few yeah, years yeah, ago yeah. he can score spectacular goals and I'm thinking you know you've had a way how, how's it taken for you to, in your late 20s really? to show that you're absolutely mm. you know for the name you're talking about Carver Lewin say Miles better player yes mm. you yeah, know what I mean yeah. you know Miles better and you're you're uh, you know it's only now in the late twenties, early thirties, what's gone wrong with English football? Where you've no, sometimes it's lifestyle stuff that goes into it, and I, I, I love him. Um, I, I buy him. I know people say he's thirty-one, but it's that mileage on the clock, isn't it? Mm. Actually, the ma- the mileage on the clock is is not of that great. Year old, like, yeah, 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 and there's yeah. people like I don't know how old they might play till he was probably like a, somebody came reasonably late into yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ian Wright was probably still playing for Arsenal. Maybe thirty-three. Yeah, two. You know, to a reasonably good standard. Helped if you had Dennis Burke can play behind you. Know what I mean? <laughs> Burke can so, make me look yeah, after. Yeah, 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 yeah. But sometimes play, players who start late, and he still looks pretty fit. Mm. To be fair, he's a rake, yeah. isn't he? He's, he's not. He's not going to lose that pace in the next six months. And caveated around fees and wages, and as I say, well, what's our broader? Yeah. You know, transfer policy. I'd uh, I'd snap. That'd be hand off to buy him. Well, he's certainly somebody that Walsh keeps bringing up in the, in those meetings. Uh, Everton, Adam, do you agree with Gav? Is, would he be the answer? Or do we have to look and think wider and, and less narrow? And, and he, you know, he would he'd fall into the category of an obvious mm. an obvious target, I suppose, in many respects. Yeah, I, I I personally think we need to look a bit wider. I think the price definitely would worry me. Yeah. Like, I mean, wait, he, yeah, what are Leicester asking? You yeah, know? if he's even gonna, if, they're going to be asking for over 30 mil. Oh, and the rest. Yeah, and the rest. Caveat, that's what I caveat. Well, like, that, like, I, I just think it's unrealistic for the price he, that, like, that we pay for him. Yeah, looking ahead, you know, many things happen, it wouldn't happen, but if, if Evan got into a position where they went to the summer, right, we're going for him. It's another club record signing. Mm. Yeah. So what we pay forty odd million for for, for Gilfie, minimum sixty, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I said. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Is if you said to me, would you buy Jamie yeah, Vardy yeah. award? But I'd caveat it yeah. by like what the fee was. If, yeah. if you know, up to a certain fee, I would. Up to a certain fee, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I suspect from what you're saying is uh, it, we're going to the latter. I, I get what you're saying about mileage as well, but paying paying that much and then. You get a thirty-one-year-old striker who's so reliant on pace. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's it, it's yeah, sustainable. Like the, yeah, the, the, gamble, yeah, the yeah. age does we, does we, stick with me. And yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying he, he's not a good player. He's obviously like a quality striker. He can score some outrageous goals. He's hard working. He's he is full of pace, but. <laughs> for the for the price that it would be, no, we we can't. We've got. I think we've got to be looking elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, it's well argued. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very good. So we'll leave it there for this week's Royal Blue podcast. We'll uh, meet again towards the end of the week to preview. Whisper it. Another away game. <laughs> <laughs> Should pretend it's a good and yeah. maybe things will change. But we'll we'll get back around the table uh, later in the week to look to. A trip to the Britannia, a place that has recently hasn't been too bad for us, you know, given that it's been historically. Um, sorry, the Bet365 gathering. They'll be on the phone. It's not the Britannia anymore. <laughs> uh, we'll be uh, reviewing, so previewing that game and uh, 
obviously looking at Sam Allardyce's press conference later this week and hopefully we'll come back to you with some news hopefully more positive on Gilfie Sigerson so thank you very much for listening and joining once again and stay with the Echo for all the best news analysis on the Blues